Hello, welcome to Unresistance. We are a horizontal radio collective agitating the airwaves and agitating KPFK. (laughs) (laughs) We just got back from New York. We went to the Left Forum. We had an interesting, amazing, and fun time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't travel during Mercury in retrograde. (laughs) Just kidding. My name is Bobby London. I'll be loosely facilitating this conversation. We'll be doing a quick little report back for you on the Left Forum, and then we'll revisit our discussion that we had at our panel where we talked about deconstructing the left and our topic, drawing lines, liberation, and co-conspirators. Does anyone want to go first? And can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jay. We did attend the Left Forum. It was a very interesting space. There was lots of people there presumably leftists, although I can't say all of them because I don't consider myself a leftist. So it was kind of an interesting visit. Lots of groups and orgs recruiting. Kind of I felt there was a lot of panels you could visit, but also like a couple certain panels that were focused on and kind of given plenary space that focused a little bit, I think, on electoral politics. So that was interesting, giving a platform to leftist candidates and politicians And then there were some really great workshops where I learned a lot from other people that are also questioning narratives that are dominant on the left. Hi, this is X. I guess, yeah, similar experience. Went to the left forum and we, well, I I had only really set the intention to visit some of the comrades that were putting on certain panels or workshops. It seems like, yeah, there are very, very few queer, trans-identifying people of color in that space. All of the hundreds, literally hundreds of uh, panels, there were only two. And I try—actually, <laughs> it was my comrades who were who did both of them, <laughs> just in terms of gender and, like, how neoliberalism is commodifying certain identities, marginalized identities, and profiting off of them and using them to— politic with a capital P, get them into office, be absorbed into the state, things like that. Oh, also, I sprained my ankle, and you would think that John Jay College, or at least the left forum facilitators would have some sort of nurse on hand. You know, I've been to other conferences that are a little bit more oriented and centered around real live commitments towards handling things like that or handling energies like that. I attended a Women of Color Violence Conference in Chicago where they set up rooms where they were actively checking in with people or like it was a space where people could actually come in and if they had an injury, they would handle it, dress it. If they had emotional kind of conflicts, they would handle it and try to address that. But Left Forum with all of its anti-capitalist rhetoric had no such thing, and I actually got a lot of harassment from some of the campus police officers almost interrogating me on who I am and everything and my injury, kind of going into our panel discussion, which was mm-hmm. really a problem considering I shouldn't have to be harassed by the people who are killing you know, Black people every 14 hours at a left forum that was predominantly catering to the trend and adapting to the current political climate, which is Black liberation movements. But yeah, that was an interesting experience. Hello, this is a show. Thinking on the La Forum, I was lacking like basic manners. I felt like people just didn't have. Mm. People just didn't know how to say excuse me, like push past. I felt like push past people a lot. There was like just general, felt like they fetishized or 
objectification, the way in which people would stare at me for a while. And I thought that was like really interesting. And this was within the first 15, 20 minutes of being inside of the forum. So that was like really interesting because I come from having just basic manners, just saying, excuse me, or not staring at people. That seems pretty basic. Then sometimes it felt like the lack of acknowledgement, the lack of acknowledgement being acknowledged by people. Not that I have to be acknowledged to know that I exist, but just thought that was like really interesting with a whole bunch of people who are wanting to develop a society that's based off of mutual aid or helping create safer environments. You would think that just general behaviors, acknowledging people speaking or at least not staring would be a part of the practices there. I really enjoyed participating in our discussion. I like how our panel, instead of it just being us talking, but it turned to like a larger discussion. And I really appreciated the ideas that were mentioned and that were shared. I wish we would have recorded it, but I also feel like that <clears throat> is what gave it people a safe space to be able to just feel comfortable talking because I feel like once you say, oh, we're recording and there's a mic, it kind of changes the conversation. So it was a beautiful conversation. I guess you just had to be there to enjoy. The left forum kind of is a microcosm for just pretty much like a lot of the problems that are, are in the left in general. Um, one of the things we talked about was deconstructing the left. We had a show before, what was it, Decolonizing the Left, that you can check out and listen to on our soundcloud.com slash on dash resistance. Does anyone want to touch on what does deconstructing the left mean to you? Something that comes to mind is understanding exactly who the left is. It's really challenging to understanding the left and that there are varying distances between different groups of who is more left than another. For one, why does like politics fall into the left and the right? What about up and down and you know diagonal and all of these things? But so when I think about the deconstruction of the left is just the accessibility of understanding left politics and where am I in that? If my ideas are considered leftist, where am I on that spectrum? How I felt about intentionalizing going to this left forum to investigate actually what it is going there with the intention to really studying what these people are talking about and being really put off by a lot that was happening. I mean, granted, a lot of like older white leftists that are kind of imposing a lot of their ideologies onto people and or very similar to electioneering, which is why I really appreciated going to the few comrades that I did know out in New York and then them showing solidarity in turn and coming to our panel that was like helpful. Some of the things that stuck out to me were the intergenerational kind of divide. There was a lot of the younger Black people were very aware, or at least the younger people in general, very aware of anti-Blackness and the older people not really having an analysis around that or just trying to adapt. And it was like, please, Black people and Black Lives Matter and younger people, please tell us what we can do to make us adapt your struggle into our analysis now, because now is the time. And it was just kind of like, I appreciated Saturday night's symposium with Lisa Garza and a young person from Baltimore. And there was somebody that was really out of place because they weren't Black identifying, but they were talking about Black struggle 
and an elected politician. I forget what their name was. Kashama Sawant. Yeah, elected politician, uh, socialist, one of the only socialists. Just being very put off by them using the colonial we when they're talking about our struggle when you're not a black person. So I'm confused <laughs> as to why you're saying it's like suddenly our struggle. But I guess we can get into the homogenization of that later. And I felt like the positionality of that speaking a little further on that, of that elected politician right after people had been speaking about their struggle was very strategic. It wrapped it up by saying literally what was happening was electioneering. Literally, as soon as this politician got up to close out the panel, before they took some questions, people came around and handed out postcards about them to vote for them. They were fundraising in New York for their re-election in Seattle, and they were literally saying, this is all great, resistance is great, however, you will only win if you vote. That was the message of their speech, and they were kind of given the authority to wrap up that space, which is really problematic. It kind of does remind me of the left in general because we were asked the question, how can we prevent the left from becoming co-opted? And it kind of helped me think about it as a lot of forces exist to co-opt and contain resistance movements, but the left, by its strategy alone, is what co-ops uprisings and direct response and people responding to their conditions and revolutionary energy as it bubbles forth, the left comes in to kind of control that. And then also calling into question the definition of the left. And can we really say the left is entirely revolutionary? Can we really say they're entirely anti-capitalist when their goal is to reform the government, not to question governing, what governing has been founded on? And they didn't have basic resources. They didn't have food available. They didn't have ice available. They didn't have medical aid available. And they were charging for tickets. So what are you doing with resources? I feel like, to me, whenever I'm in discussions about the left, I think about just like accessibility of the left and how it's not really accessible, how it also sounds tired Mm -hmm. and it's this sort of academic club that you've had to read certain people to be able to get into and with the spirit of using that knowledge and the way and basically the blueprint to revolution as they think to try to be the vanguard and lead which then creates environments where they do try to co-opt uprisings, specifically here in L.A. The left here, its role is they just sit and wait for something to happen, try to be the first org to put their banner up and hold a self-policed event for it, or see an uprising happen and trying to rush down there and recruit people for their org. So what does the left really want? Revolution? I don't know. I think it's more about individuals in power and them being the ones in power instead of those who are. Uh, Something that Esho was talking about, the left being a predominantly white Eurocentric canon that is literally imposing actual solutions onto people. I feel like one of the younger speakers actually brought that up. They were like, actually, I had this whole speech prepared, but I'm just going to say something about how all the youth because they were somebody that was involved in the Baltimore uprisings and they were going to a college in Baltimore. I was actually looking for their name right now, but maybe I'll post something about it online. But all of the young Black youth in the entire United States and all the institutions that they have to opt into are being taught by white people, being taught white washed history, a lot of white Eurocentrism in general when it comes to our education. And then also they were talking about left-right politics, this Eurocentric canon that we're being swallowed into. 
I really appreciated that they called that out and me and Jay were applauding them. And some of the only people that were applauding them were younger people and it totally completely outnumbered. And I also, in that space, we were trying to get into that symposium and then we were told that we need registration ticket thing. Like we need proof of registration. And I was like, oh no, yeah, I got it. I got it. I have that. And I didn't, but like, if they asked me for it, I'm like, I'm black. I'm black. <laughs> That's my registration. I'm black. This is all about Black Lives Matter. This is all about black people. So if you don't let me into this space, I'm going to lose my ever living mind. <laughs> I feel like what was brought up in the left forum, particularly from black people, in one of the workshops that I was at, the space was split up into black and indigenous people and everyone else. And in that space, a Black man was talking about the inaccessibility of a lot of this academic, what's going on, but he understands it, but it's inaccessible to a lot of the people in the space. And it's just like something that Black people are consistently bringing up in these spaces. So to mitigate that, I don't think it's solvable by just being swallowed up by an organization. I was thinking a lot about how kind of the way organization is defined and the way organizing is represented by the dominant left. So people, leftism, initially will affirm some type of revolt or organic organizing or people just talking about their conditions and doing stuff and supporting each other, collectivity, collective action. And then we'll start to say, we support you, we support you, but you should get organized. That means you should join this organization or you should form this organization. And a lot of dominant leftist strategies that we need one cohesive large organization or party to seize some sort of power. So I think the way leftism defines power can be really problematic. And then it kind of starts to try to describe to everyone else how they should define power and how they should respond to their conditions. And it kind of ignores a lot of the on the ground organizing that people are actually learning and practicing as this is happening. And I feel like that's the way you understand or learn revolt or start to think about revolutionary strategy is by actually being in spaces and taking those actions and having the space before someone else comes in and tells you you have to calm down and you have to do it this certain way, preventing containment, basically, of those spaces. I think that the left is kind of counter to liberation because the hierarchical way that you have to approach revolution is still inflicting hierarchy and you can't really have hierarchy when you're working towards liberation because you still have some sort of controller or ruler. But it makes sense that there wouldn't really be focus on liberation in leftism because it is white-dominated. And when it's talked about a lot in like leftism, the rhetoric of slavery is used a lot yes. um, by non-Black <clears throat> people in reference to capitalism. It's, oh, you know... I'm a wage slave or got to go to the master and horrible things that white non-black people should never be referencing or saying is often used in propaganda for the left. In general, there's this, this huge lack of really recognizing the institutionalized anti-blackness in the left and that the left just uses black struggle. And the left, I feel like by saying the left, I could also just say white radicals. They use this for their own title and power and their job or their newspaper to pass around. And there's this disconnect from the actual daily life struggle of why people want revolution. And I think that's why 
there is this need and desire to co-opt it because there is the fear of what a black revolution, what a black people fighting for liberation that wasn't being facilitated by white people would look like. I see the left as something that was also created by those who have always had power. So I feel like the left serves the same purpose as whatever the right, stagnation, and it funnels people's energy into distraction. Someone communicated, someone who works at the criminal justice place in New York, one of the workers said that a fight broke out last year, or that was a riot. And when I went asked him more about the riot, it was just basically a fight between, it seems like, communists and socialists that actually, like Battle War was some of the, maybe the anarchists there that got into it with some of the communists. Basically, just two groups fighting inside of a forum that's supposed to be social change or social liberation. It just made me think that all of these things are still serving the same purpose of the opposite of liberation. It it divides people's energy and it stops people from focusing on the actual problems that are at hand. And that's why I think like the objectification comes up of black struggle. There was just a lot of black liberation stuff at this left forum, but all the tables were predominantly white people. Wasn't really sure what that really translates to of most of the people who were like sitting down selling things or who had their books and selling different books were predominantly white, whereas a lot of the imagery that was around was black. White radicals don't necessarily need to put in the same work as the people of color, but the people of color is going to put that work, but they're not going to get the same privileges or the same credit as those white radicals. That was something that was a really interesting dynamic. I was going to ask what was one of the biggest challenges sitting through the panels itself, a specific theme that people were like consistently using. Because I think a lot of panels and specifically panels that are left thinking, they use to see the slaves, the slaves, the slaves, and not acknowledging that they were African or they were people. So like when I'm sitting through dialogues or speaks and people do that, it's the hardest thing, even though their intention is not to continue or further dehumanize African people or my ancestors. What was something that was challenging to actually sit through at the left? And was there a repeated theme in there? There were 400 panels approximately at the left. It was a situation where my decision was, do I want to attend panels where I'm really genuinely attracted to learning and deconstructing and, and hearing those perspectives and struggles? Because some of them were really great. Or do I want to attend a panel that I take issue with and agitate that space? Originally, I thought I would be more willing to agitate the space, but I was just quickly overwhelmed by how many directions there was and how spaced out everything was and how many stairs there were. There were so many stairs. And so I chose to go to panels where I could listen and learn, reflect. And then the one free window that I had to go to another panel, I couldn't find one that I wanted to go to because a lot of them were still using Occupy rhetoric and talking about occupying democracy. And a lot of them were about electing people. And there was one panel all by lawyers. These are panels I didn't go to, so I can't really reflect on. But the trend, if you looked actually at the left forum, it seemed to be something that was presenting itself of many different perspectives. But then the key ones, the first panel was on Syriza and Podemos and an independent electoral party for the left. And then the center one was the amazing one we went to where people were talking about black liberation, but then it was wrapped up with a leftist politician talking about voting. And then the closing panel, which we didn't really get to go to, so I don't know what it was about, was called a national left politics. Hmm. So all talking about some sort of unity, that word unity, 
And then there was something really problematic that came up in the trans tipping point conversation towards the end. The issue that I share with yours in terms of just white entitlement and how that's just really, really glossed over in conversations with white leftists in general. A lot of talking and communicating with people of color, Black people, women, and then white women coming in and inserting themselves into our conversations. And that entitlement is just really hard to deal with. A white old elder man interrupted, kept raising his hand when some of the non-binary trans people were doing their workshop. And he was just like, I, I have something to say. I want to, I just want to ask a question. And they were just like, okay, well, we'll get to you. And if there's that elder entitlement, there's that white entitlement. For me, that particular panel is really important to hear as somebody who is non-binary, gender non-conforming, person of color. It was a historic thing to see all of these people of color and identify with that same kind of social conditions. It was really great how they handled themselves and really problematic questions. One was about, particularly about transitioning. And it was, oh my goodness, have you read any of the things that we talk about? How about, that's really offensive to talk about our transitioning. And they just glossed it over. They were just like, we're not interested in spotlighting transitioning. We're actually trying to survive the violence of heteronormativity and cisnormativity. And this is the point. We're not trying to talk about sexual liberation either. We're not trying to talk. We're just trying to live. The frustration was predominantly a lot of white entitlement. And like you said, the fundamental issue with people consistently adapting slave to blackness is the issue with our entire society and even our closest comrades internalize anti-blackness. They still consider us as slaves what do we do with that, <laughs> you know, in terms of deconstructing that part of their mentality that they have in regard to Blackness. And then the fundamental issue with engaging with established political power, capitalism, and whitenesses, like solipsism and commodification of everything, it owns the future. Capitalism already owns the future. If you're thinking about leftism and continuously engaging with power and that hierarchy and always acknowledging it and never trying to break from it, it's an ongoing trap. Think about the left forum and the sort of white entitlement and various things that we've talked about is that it's not exclusive to just those kind of spaces. We did a panel the week before, a couple weeks before, at the Anarchist Book Fair in Santa Ana, and that should be enough said right there. To me, it's what I keep being reminded to is just like there is no such thing as a white radical. We went to this space, and it was predominantly white people or white-passing people. It was this white person with dreads who was screen painting. Mostly things were donation-based, but that funny thing where they don't really mean donation, they mean it costs something, but they say donation because they know it will sound bad to say it costs something. And during our panel, when we started talking about things and started bringing up white anarchists and the problems that are repeatedly seen by white anarchists, some of the white people started to leave. And it's interesting that I feel what we see is that we begin to hit the white wall. I feel like in organizing spaces, in revolution, it's like, really, what is the white role? I don't want white people to have a role in the movement. I see those memes often where white silence is compliance, or it's like, no, I don't want to hear more white voices on these things. I need white people to listen. I need people to read other people's thoughts. I need, but I don't need white people to speak up for me. I have white people doing that enough. And are they really speaking up for me or just giving themselves more space? 
So I feel this kind of conversation is also just sort of about, again, white supremacy, hierarchy, domination of space, domination of lives, domination of movements, domination of resistance. As we are resisting against the state, we are also resisting against those who think they own resistance. I feel like that talks about liberation, deconstruction, and drawing lines, and why I don't want a co-conspirator, and I don't have allies. I have people I'm in solidarity with the struggle because we can empathize with each other because we are going through it together, not people who listen to me vent and then regurgitate what I said and get cookies for it. Hopefully our next topic will be the white radicals. Well, I think we can do a whole like dialogue and conversation on the white radicals, and I think it's a like long time we're due just in general. So when you brought up the anarchist book fair and there's individual dreads, it made me think of when I was hitting the drum and I was just, you know, doing my own thing. She walks up and the first thing she says is, what's up? And you're creating great beats, creating great vibration. Your first five words to me was something that you would think as a white radical, you would know you shouldn't start a conversation this way with a person of color, with a black person. Oh, what's up? Because they can actually think you're using a diet like this, completely disrespectful to the language itself, or you tell it how you're speaking for me specifically. It was bothering me, and I just shooed that energy away from me. But then she started to walk away, and, you know, this is labor. I had to actually stop her before she left and had this dialogue going like, hey, you should probably rethink this. And did I create value? I probably did. Hopefully, maybe next time she starts a conversation with a person of color, she won't say what's up. And then Mr. Me telling her not to use what's up, other than for one reason is using it incorrectly. You know, what's up is a familiar term. So I was like, I don't know you. So when you come up saying what's up, it's actually you don't know how to use it. But in the midst of this conversation, she was like, well, can I say hola? And... <laughs> 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 that was the response. Girl, yeah, bye. That was a- <laughs> Girl, bye. Would have been my response. Then I was like, do you speak Spanish? And she was, no, I don't speak Spanish. No, you shouldn't start a conversation in a language that you don't understand or that you don't speak. But just to have to break this down to a white radical or a white person who says that they are a radical who has dreads. She was an interesting skin tone white person. One of those like, white people, they're like not necessarily like white, but they're like, a shade or something and you're like is that just dirt on your face or something but it was just like interesting and i feel like i have a lot of those white radicals that's not knowing how to speak in spaces that are conscious that are black people in the space you can't say certain words and do certain things like hood yes and it's really important to not give them that space and specifically the white radicals quote unquote because i have to deal with so many non-radicals on a consistent basis that are white that i have to hold myself and be conscious of how I speak to these people and like deal with all their microaggressions. But the white radicals is like, I don't think they deserve any space, to be honest. I think they need to be the ones who need to be checked consistently, consistently, consistently. So that's how I felt just in general from just an interaction at a leftist space. Well, being at the anarchist book fair that some would consider the left and just like having still just European. the problems. Still European, <laughs> you know, dominated. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know much about Marx, but I know that name. You know, I know that name and I don't know what his politics is about, but a lot of people talk about, this, you know, this guy named Marx and I'm pretty sure he's white and he got a beard. I mean, yeah, I, it's like some of us have dabbled and it's still, <laughs> it's still really, really heavily academic and really confusing. And unnecessary, it seems. Yeah, I mean, and then co-optation of ancient and indigenous societies and how they organize. It's hard for me to have conversations I have mad comrades that I love and everything, Loretta Marxist, la la la. But when it comes to 
imposing an entire political economy on the world globally that is created by one white man is what I was talking about in our panel. Isn't that pushing white supremacy? Sounds kind of a lot what the same leftists would like critique Christianity for doing. White man pushing a certain perspective. I was also noticing there was so much Black Lives Matter stuff when we're walking around. Someone's like, mm. oh, there's going to be NLG is doing a Know Your Rights training. It's Black Lives Matter. It was like the buzzword of the conference. And it made me think that I'm sure Occupy was that when Occupy was happening, right? I'm sure the left mm. forum was Occupy this and we're going to have Occupy that and whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is just the everyone's just like hopping on whatever this buzz phase is. And it's sad. Because when we think yeah. about like why we actually do resist branding of resistance and people trying to use that branding for their own self-interest, it's not a game. You're not understanding the pain and trauma and that it goes through to like exist and to try to resist and why people are truly resisting as you fly to these places comfortably with your money and talk about these things. We had to work our asses off to get there. Some of us had to go in debt to get there. And... A lot of these well-to-do, I feel like there's just no real acknowledgement of people's struggles. And there's also not acknowledgement of the labor that it takes for us to have to let you know our struggle. We ain't going to get the same kind of platform that some of those people at the left forum got to be able to talk about that and who they see as legitimate and all the stuff that we got before we even started the panel. Mm. Oh, we should read that. What the one person said about our fundraiser that we were sharing. They're gatekeepers. I just wanted to give it up to the Black youth that was there. I feel like they were holding it down. I feel like the youth in general, when it comes to Tumblr and the decentralization of knowledge and information and imagery, is like they're on to something when it comes to that shared knowledge. Because I just felt it. The youth is in it. They know what's happening, what's going on. That young person was like, I need white leftists to stop capitalizing and profiting off my struggle. And I was like, hashtag that. They know that in terms of social war, in terms of this war of ideas, a lot of the older people or entitled people, privileged people are getting really annoyed with how much people are speaking out right now about cultural appropriation, how sensitive the youth is when it comes to their blackness. And it's like good because before we, everyone was subordinated, before everyone was super just complacent until letting these things happen, letting this racism continue. And now it's like, it's happening and it's changing. Welcome to the youth is rising now. I'm just happy to be in line with that. Yeah, I do want to echo like giving it up to the youth. I think the youth is like putting in a lot of work just around our struggle in general. I'm seeing a, just a lot of refugees in general from black youth specifically. I found a lot of just different people on Instagram, people using their Instagram like really in interesting ways and I don't follow Tumblr, but I hear a lot from you all about like Tumblr and, and like Black Twitter. Um, I was I thought Black Twitter was like a specific thing, but then I realized it's Black Twitter is just Black people using Twitter, which is a really white supremacist way and to see commodify people's like labor. They're just Black people using Twitter. But I thought it, literally there was one group of people doing something. So yeah, just a lot of uh, respect to other the youth in general. One last thing I want to say is that when it comes up to just the hashtag Black Lives Matter, not the organization, but just the hashtag of it. Um, some we talked about just like how we always know our lives matter. Like there was never any doubt that our lives like mattered. And what I'm realizing more about Black Lives Matter for the left specifically, it's like they have to tell themselves that. They have to keep telling themselves because they have so deep and so entrenched that 
they don't even think about our lives and don't even really think about black life and microwaves. I feel like the left talk a lot of the bigger picture and just forget individual struggle. So I'm realizing that just Black Lives Matter, just the concept, is like an affirmation for the left or white radicals. It's like they need to keep telling themselves, it's like you're having a bad day, like, I'm having a good day, I'm having a good day. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> so that's like really what changed with the hashtag or when I see that. Left tactics in general, I feel like is focused on white people. All of the tactics, they're kind of like either trying to get the white sympathy or the white dollar or more white people to join. So it's like, you know, anything of like civil disobedience, right? You want the image of the cop pulling you away, right? So then white people can see that cops are bad and you were doing nothing wrong. You were just sitting there saying we are peaceful, right? That's why you chant we are peaceful. Or you try to get the white dominated media to report on you fairly. So you want to stay off the streets. You want to look like you have an organized march. And it's like a very white supremacist perspective at looking at things and really focused on basically the white agenda, but also getting like the white sympathy. And that makes sense because it's like controlled by a bunch of white guilt. And so it makes sense why they would constantly have to say Black Lives Matter, but also why they would like Black Lives Matter because those tactics tend to be the same. People are controlled with things that seem like they're controlled. And that is inclusive to them. Like white people feel very uncomfortable when there is spaces that said they can't be there. And so in spaces where they're also allowed to be included, then it creates this sort of safety for them. When it comes to the term Black Lives Matter, in terms of the work of Black queer, femme, people, womanists, feminists, I think it's important to look at the history of affirming that because especially when it comes to black women because there's always been especially in the 60s a lot of critical opposition to the nature of how black women's bodies have been commodified and over sexualized and having to affirm their worth to each other in terms of us talking to each other and letting us know that we matter it's like we know that we matter but the amount of anti-blackness that we are facing every day, the amount of white supremacy that we are facing on the day-to-day when it comes to the ads that we're seeing making us feel a way about our gender or wanting to aspire to be white women or wanting us to aspire to think and talk and act white, that's still in a lot of our heads. And I think it's the conflict I'm seeing is with Black Lives Matter is that I think that's important. I don't think that has ever been emphasized in a movement, in a social movement, a Mm -hmm. black liberation movement before. Mm -hmm. It was usually about black power, establishing our economic and material positions for ourselves. It's never been about actually acknowledging that we got to heal. We have Mm -hmm. so much healing that we need in order to not be so either subordinated or wanting to ascribe and aspire to be white or Mm non-black. That's where I give it its due, but in terms of the co-optation and white people continuously profiting off of black struggle, that is where the issue is, as well as when it comes to appealing to whiteness. I'm sure there's people that do that. When we always talk about being critical about black people, we're always like, we gotta take into account that they're black. Quit continuously affirming and or centering whiteness and or Mm -hmm. legitimizing the notion of whiteness. I just hate that we can't talk about hashtag Black Lives Matter without me feeling like I'm plugging this org. 
-hmm. or even legitimizing the idea that they started this movement or that this movement of Black liberation is theirs or that this movement is a Black Lives Matter movement. We can't have a conversation. Well, for me, it's like I feel don't, I don't feel comfortable having a conversation using Black Lives Matter, like saying my Black life matters because there is, I feel like, a copyright after I say Black Lives Matter. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, for a Black person. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so I, I just that. wanted to put words to that because I'm like, uh, we're saying Black Lives Matter so much. And I'm like, I like every Any time I hear person. Black Lives Matter, I just want to roll my eyes. It's so true. makes me, because that was actually a part of our conversation about, I don't really understand the psychological trauma that is actually happening because I'm associating, I'm so uncomfortable with the phrase Black Lives Matter now because it's like such a, like a fad that I'm, don't use the hashtag, like, or I don't like say it because I am worried about the same thing. I'm not talking about the org or that. What is that doing to me emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally not feeling comfortable saying Black Lives Matter? Really just having claimed that those three words as their name and how that's being used to actually funnel all of Black resistance into Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has like popped up all over funneling our resistance and our struggle into something so specific is actually limiting. I think for it's Hillary a, Clinton, hashtag yeah. lives like matter. The biggest problem with it being funneled into one specific place is that everyone thinks because you're Black, you're a part of Black Lives Matter, the organization, and not even the movement, or whatever that is. People assume that you have to be a part of Black Lives Matter if you're actually doing social work or if you're trying to bring about liberation. I've been asked like four different times, like, hey, have you been to the Black Lives Matter events? Like, oh, I went to one. Man, that's, that's great. I've never been to one, but I didn't. I don't feel like I need to be there or not need to be there. It's kind of this thing that it became relevant really quickly. There's a lot of pressure just around those three words. And that's what we did talk about branding, particularly in our panel. We were talking about is branding good for in terms of social movements? Or is that the thing that literally captures and arrests these ideas. Our material reality is the greatest, the most dystopic thing ever written by white supremacy. It's really messing with my head. So yeah, we definitely can talk about a lot of this for hours. I think we've got some show topics that were inspired from this conversation. Speaking of, next week, we will be airing our human supremacy show. So tune in Friday at 7.30. You can listen to all our past shows on www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. You can check us out on Twitter at onresistancela, email us at onresistanceradio at gmail.com, and check out our Tumblr at onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. Peace out. Bye. Revolt. See you next week.